Well, when we're trying to connect with Germany, sometimes we have problems, and uh, we'll see if Rainer's able to join us later. Um, but uh, we were hoping to talk to him regarding his uh, his new book, which is on um, uh, capitalism and wondering if this new financial crisis is uh, is going to expose capitalism. I don't think so. I think it, in fact, makes an argument for capitalism less restricted than the Federal Reserve has allowed capitalism to be. And capitalism does mean that sometimes there needs to be failure. Now, we have had um, there are different thoughts on that. Some people think that uh, the banks should have been should have been, um, you know, bailed out last week. Others think not. Uh, Charles Payne had an idea. That's clip one, Leah, uh, <clears throat> that I sent you. Uh, Charles Payne got worked up on the um, <laughs> on the uh, over. What? No, what's the one outnumbered where he's there with all the, the, the beautiful fox ladies, you know, uh, what a terrible place to be in. In the midst of all the beautiful Fox ladies. Well, something got Charles all worked up over uh, Silicon Valley bank bailout and the moral hazard that accrues from that. Take a listen. It's going to be very, very worrisome. President Biden should have come out Sunday night and said 90 percent, 99 percent of Americans, you are covered. Keep your money in your community bank and we've got. Why didn't he? Because his political donors got out there. Bill Ackman got on Twitter. They called him up, said, you must bail us out. This is Silicon Valley. This is an adventure capitalist. You know how much money we put in your campaign? Mm, you know yeah. what you owe us? Yeah. Figure out a way to paint this as a, a way of bailing out the small guy, but save us now. And he did. And, and I know that you've been digging through this. And it's, so it's when you shout it, no, it's, it's because it's, it's, it's disgusting it's what because they did. They keep talking about going after millionaires and billionaires and every chance they get, right? they, they help save them. them. They but save only them. the ones who guess, vote oh, the way that gotta, they want them guess to. Guess who's got to pay for it? Exactly. You do. Everybody with a community bank account. Everybody with a small bank account. Everybody with a bank account in America is paying once again to bail out the billionaires. Well, there was Charles Payne saying that, you know, all of these billionaires were being bailed out there. Now, you could argue that people that were had over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is the FDIC insurance limit um, on deposit. Not all of them were billionaires in Silicon Valley. Uh, and so there, the investors certainly were not bailed out. I mean, as far as we know, the investors in that bank will not be bailed, bailed out. It was to ensure that depositors uh, in that bank so that they could make payroll, for instance. What if you're a what if you're a restaurant in Silicon Valley? If you're a, a dry cleaner, uh, maybe you're a, a doctor's office, dentist's office, perhaps a, a professional services firm. Maybe you're an accountant and and you have deposits to cover payroll. Perhaps you're a small manufacturing company or a distributor. And maybe your deposits in order to cover payroll and other expenses for vendors are, are more than 250. Is it fair to, you know, uh, have those people get hurt because of the investment decisions of a bank and clearly negligent uh, investment decisions. I'm sure Eric and uh, and Bob will be talking about that on on the money after this program at nine o'clock. But let's let's not make any ifs, ands and buts about it. I mean, <clears throat> those those people managing that bank were absolutely irresponsible. I mean, uh, Tucker Carlson talked about it. Uh, I had a little, Eric Robert and I were talking a little bit, chatting on the phone last week. Um, and it's true that they were investing in these long-term treasury bills, uh, treasury bonds, which were very, very low interest, uh, you know, because of the federal interest rates being so low for so long. 
And they were investing in those in an environment that they should have known that things were going to inflation was going to devalue those because the new treasury bonds are going to be much more uh, treasury notes are going to be much uh, are going to pay a much higher interest rate. So, of course, the value of the lower yielding bonds will go down. And when they needed to sell those uh, to, you know, uh, give depositors uh, their money when they wanted it, they didn't have it and they wouldn't have it. So at any rate, they made bad business decisions. Now, that relates to another problem that we're seeing in the banking industry. And we see throughout all corporate America. What is that? That's this this absolute cultish. I can say it no other way. It is the cult of DEI and ESG. Diversity, equity, inclusion programs have gone wild. There is now reverses, uh, reverse racism to, to cure what I think was a, a fairly cured problem that, yeah, America had in the past racism. It's now a thing of the past for the vast, vast, vast majority of Americans. And yet corporations are buying into the scheme that we we will ha- we will have a certain quota of uh, this color skin and that ethnicity and this gender and this uh, for that matter, this uh, uh, g- non-traditional gender identity uh, constituency in our workforce and our boardrooms. And now, even as we saw just about a year ago, I guess it was a little over a year ago. When uh, remember when Paul Kurtman's organization was going to partner with News Talk and have an event with uh, Donald Trump Jr. speaking at it, and uh, a uh, I believe it was a Citicorp related. Correct me, Lee, if I'm wrong on that. But uh, one of the vendors that was a uh, on a pay platform was was not going to take payments because of the fact that Donald Trump Jr. was going to be on the ticket. I mean, that's ridiculous. So they're not only punishing people that would like to work for these corporations. But they're punishing customers now. Um, and 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 so then when they are so in the banking business, when they're so distracted with these culturally politically correct mantras and ESG, environmentalism, um, social justice and, and governance, you know, the whole de- deal, it, it distracts leadership. It distracts talent. Uh, it distracts uh, work hours put into making a better product, providing a better service, making better investments. And what does that do then? That, of course, puts the bank at risk. And we saw that at SVB. We saw it at uh, Signature Bank. First Republic's in trouble. Others may be in trouble. Um, and what's going to, where does it all end? Well, um, Leah, if you'll go to uh, sound clip number where is my sound clip here? Uh, yes. Uh, this is numbers clip number two. I want you to listen to this very carefully. Clip the, clip two. This is Senator James Langford from Oklahoma talking with Janet Yellen at her testimony on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. And this, to me, is uh, despite, I think many have been reassuring us that uh, and I talked with the president of the Missouri Bankers Association last week on my Columbia program, um, reassured that most banks don't do business and don't make poor investments and are better managed than SVB. But it's possible. Should we go into a deep recession? Should we have uh, a contagion of uh, run on banks? Should people start taking their money out of these banks and, and, and taking them to larger banks and maybe they don't have the liquidity they need. You could see a, a situation for different reasons than we saw in 2008. 
And okay, so we saw that the depositors, no matter their $250,000 limit, that goes out the window if you're an SVP depositor, SVB depositor, or if you're a signature bank depositor. By the way, that's Barney Frank is on that board. Isn't that sweet irony? Um, but here's Lankford asking the big question from Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen. Listen closely. You're not fully insured. And you, you big, were at signature and it, big, was, it just barely met that threshold. You were at signature. Well, we felt that there was a serious risk of contagion that could have brought down and triggered runs on many banks. Um, and that's something given that our judgment is that the banking system overall is safe and sound. Um, depositors should have confidence in the system and we took these actions so there's a special assessment that's been done on community banks in my state and all banks across the country was there any discussion that that special assessment would only apply to the larger banks or was it always assumed the special assessment would cover every bank including rural banks in my state um i i think i i'm not certain what the rules are around that um, that that's for the FDIC to determine. It, it, it has been reported publicly that uh, SVB had a large number of Chinese investors that are there, including some that were companies directly connected to the Chinese Communist Party. It, will, will those individual, will those individuals, companies, entities, and investors that are Chinese investors be made whole based on assessments? in my banks in Oklahoma. So what I'm asking is, will my banks in Oklahoma pay a special assessment to be able to make Chinese investors whole from Silicon Valley Bank? Uninsured investors will be made whole in that bank. And I suppose that could include foreign and foreign depositors. But I don't believe there's any legal basis to discriminate among uninsured. So look, uh, we missed the first part of that clip. Uh, but at the very beginning of that clip, um, it she talks about how they're going to they they're OK based on a board of elitists who happen, I'm sure, to be if they're not appointed by Biden uh, career uh, uh, people on these boards. But these boards, for the most part, that are going to be determining who gets the bailout, who gets the the, the investor not the investor, the depositor who has more than $250,000 on deposit in certain banks. So far, they happen to be on the coasts. If the FDIC board and if President Biden and Janet Yellen get in a room and uh, maybe they look at who made the most donations to their favorite environmental causes or maybe to Joe Biden's campaign, just saying, and they look at various criteria. And then they decide if they should throw away the $250,000 limit and protect those investors. Hmm. But they're going to do that for certain banks if they decide that there's a risk uh, for the system, but not for your bank if you bank with a small bank. Not for my bank if I'm with a smaller regional bank. Not for Leah's bank if she's with a small regional bank. Not with someone in James Langford State in rural Oklahoma if they get into trouble. Does that bother you? Does that tell you that it's another example of the elite in Washington, D.C., picking winners and losers by, I'm sure, all the objective criteria? It should be good for the goose and good for the gander. And that's the moral hazard. When you bail out one American, why aren't you bailing them all out?
It's the same problem I have with the progressive tax system. It's the same problem I have with, uh, you know, a student loan forgiveness, but only if you're, uh, you know, if, if you've uh, if you happen to be having debt when Joe Biden is in office. What about those of us who paid off our loans and our children's loans? Some of you out there I know are uh, in that boat. This is why we need to get back to a small, limited, enumerated powers federal government. If the states want to go on their wild spending and taxing sprees like California, like the People's Republic of Illinois, like New York and others, let them do that. God bless them, whatever. But from a federal standpoint, this is a dangerous thing. And as far as that matters, the Federal Reserve, our good friend John Tamney wrote a book several years ago called Who Needs the Fed? Now, I'm not sure we need to eliminate the Fed. We probably should have a central bank. Most country, I think every country does. But with their manipulation and their mismanipulation, their, their, their monetary malpractice, which has been observed over several administrations, Trump included, because the Uniparty protects things like a glowing stock market. They love to see that. Trump talked about that on and on and on. Oh, look at the market. Look at the market. Well, the market, the stock market isn't everything. The stock market loves low interest rates. But uh, that's not uh, that's not the be all and the end all for um, how this economy should run. And I'm just I'm so sick and tired of central planners trying to determine what is best for us. And then when they they allow and protect certain um, uh, uh, practices that hurt everyday Americans, uh, uh, well, that hurt everyday Americans, uh, but they only protect them to a certain amount. And yet they talk about the rich billionaires and the millionaires and how we need to fleece those people. And, you know, you could take the upper 2%, which is about that $400,000 plus uh, break off that he talks about where taxation is only going to affect those people. You could tax those people 100% of everything they earned and it wouldn't, it's not going to put a dent in the long-term obligations for Social Security, for Medicare, for others. It's, um, it's a crazy, crazy time in America. And I just wanted to highlight for you that you just heard the Secretary of the Treasury say that if your bank happens to have a run on it and fails, and if you happen to be a small businessman or woman with more than $250,000, or if maybe you're an employee of an, of a, of an employer who has their, their deposits there, uh, they may not be able to make a payroll. Because of course, maybe your banker didn't contribute to uh, Joe Biden. Maybe your banker uh, doesn't spend endless hours in DEI training, and maybe they don't. Uh, uh, well, they probably wouldn't be in trouble if they uh, stayed to sound investments, not ESG first investments. By the way, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is really uh, putting out a big thrust, a big initiative to make sure that. Um, uh, investors know if uh, they are being advised by their fiduciary, uh, you know, their wealth advisors and others, if the companies they're investing in are doing ESG investments primarily, because uh, I, for one, would want to know. I want to know. And I want to try to find people that are not doing ESG as a primary investment strategy, because that doesn't always work out well financially. We'll wrap it up now. And when we come back, we'll talk about some other issues. Maybe you hadn't heard, but uh, 
Trump is very close to getting indicted. And we've got some new news on that late last evening. Uh, and uh, also this whole, then of course, this is about the hush money scandal. So we'll be talking about that. Taking your phone calls, uh, 314-912-1019 if you want to join in on the program. Here on the Tober Show on 1019-941 News Talk STL. Be right back. Welcome back to the program. It's 726. Virginia Cruda joins us at 745 for our regular segment. Lots to talk about, of course, with her. And um, I want to talk with her about the bank scandal as well, because I think that uh, this uh, this whole, you know, there's the elite and then there's the rest of us and they'll protect the elite, but they won't protect the rest of us. At least that's what Janet Yellen said. That troubles me. Uh, We'll see what she says about that. Um, We hope to connect yet with Rainer Zittelman about uh, his book on capitalism. And then Dr. Daniel Haller about uh, some things going on in the medical world and this No Surprises Act, which is affecting hospitals, doctors, and therefore it affects you. It's uh, it's ostensibly trying to save people from getting fleeced when an out-of-network doctor uh, treats them in an emergency situation, but there's some fall off from that. And we'll talk with Dan, you'll holler about that. Um, and of course, invite you for your phone calls, comments and questions. Uh, this, uh, this came in yesterday and a related story then last evening, but you know that they've been honing in there. This is basically a get Trump atmosphere. It always has been since the minute he came down the elevator in 2015. And, um, Various government agencies have tried, the DOJ's tried, the CIA, the FBI, everyone, (laughs) at least their upper level people have been all after him one way or another. Remember the Russian hoax? Remember golden showers? Remember on and on and on. Well, Justice Department investigators have obtained a Trump campaign commission report. Uh, This is this doesn't relate to the uh, Stormy Daniels event. I've got something on that coming up in just a few minutes. But uh, Okay, so remember Donald Trump, and this is something I think, though, that is where Donald Trump may be culpable, and this may be his weak spot. Remember the uh, the Georgia grand jury, that crazy woman Emily Coors, who was out on the on a on a a, a publicity tour. She was the forewoman of the grand jury, and she went out talking about, "Oh, I would love to swear him in," and basically spewing all kinds of progressive, leftist, anti-Trump rhetoric uh, in the wake of the grand jury uh, there. And uh, in fact, this week, the grand jurors, her co-grand jurors uh, were out saying, hey, it was a very it was a much more solemn and, and, and serious attitude than she would lead you to believe, which is good to hear. But nonetheless, they're going after Trump uh, about his phone call to the uh, secretary of state there in Georgia and other efforts to, uh, you know, the Trump campaign and their efforts to uh, undo the election results in uh, in Georgia. Um, Well, what's very, very interesting here is, uh, according to uh, a report on Mediaite, Justice Department's investigators have obtained a Trump campaign commissioned report that basically debunked the voter fraud claims just before Donald Trump used those claims to pressure officials to help him overturn the 2020 election. So, Okay, so remember that, you know, he made the call saying, hey, we just need to find 30,000 votes. I don't believe that that meant, hey, you need to manufacture 30,000 fake votes. I think we all know what that meant. 
the way Donald Trump communicates, he he communicates in an offhanded way, like we're well, also like, hey, yeah, how can how can the Cardinals come up with five more runs in the bottom of the bottom of the ninth? You know, hey, I can I can see someone a, a short a, a shortstop running past the home plate rep say uh, ump saying, hey, uh, tighten up this tighten up the strike zone this inning. Can you joking? Of course, don't expect an ump to tighten up the strike zone when you're out on the playing out in the outfield or in the infield or the pitcher. At any rate, um, remember Trump was making statements that um, in that infamous call to the Brad uh, Raffensperger, who was the Secretary of State, you know, quote, so dead people voted, and I think the number is close to 5,000 people, and they went to obituaries. They went to all sorts of methods to come up with an accurate number, and a minimum is close to about 5,000 voters. That's what he said in a call to Raffensperger. Here's, though, now it's reported on Mediaite that a report commissioned by Trump's own campaign dated one day prior told a different story. Researchers paid by Trump's team that's called the Berkeley Research Group was paid $600,000 for research and it undercut many of his most explosive claims. That was never made public and you wonder, did he know about it? What the report says, what they believe there was, quote, a potential statewide exposure, statewide in Georgia, of 23 such votes, in other words, dead people voting across the Peach State, that's about 4,977 4, fewer than the minimum that Trump claimed had, uh, you know, had been manufactured by dead people or in behalf of dead people. So it's troubling. I find it troubling. Wonder if you do. 314 912 1019. To think that maybe Donald Trump and his own campaign's research group said that there were a handful, a couple dozen, the best they could come up with of these these votes, which were fraudulent. They were wrong. They were cast in behalf of dead people by living people, presumably. Unless you believe in ghosts. Uh, and Donald Trump knew better or his campaign knew better and it's never been made public. Now, this is troubling to me. Is it troubling to you or is it something we say, oh, Randy, 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 come on. There, there were, it was more than that. This Berkeley Research Group has it wrong. Well, I don't know. I mean, this is someone that they, this is called Project 2020. It's a report conducted by the Berkeley Research Group obtained by prosecutors. These are prosecutors looking at the January 6th attack, of course. Uh, this was reported by the Washington Post through Mediaite. So, is there a point at which I think these kind of stories will push people to look for someone that has fewer potential, perceived, possible, what other words can I use, alleged skeletons in their closet? When you have a Ron DeSantis out there, you have a, you know, you have a uh, Christy Nome. you have, uh, take your choice. I mean, there's a lot of people, Ted Cruz, does he make another run? There's a lot of people that can that can do that and that that have the same kind of a philosophy, but may not have that kind of troubled um, news reporting going on. We'll have to see where that goes and uh, follow it. We'll let you know if anything more unfolds on that count. Now, on other Trump news, uh, you know, in New York, uh, 
city, the, uh, the New York prosecutors there, I guess it's uh, are looking uh at that money scandal and his hush money to Stormy Daniels regarding, you know, did he have a tryst with her or not? Well, late last evening, it was reported that uh, the Trump uh, legal authorities or legal uh, representation said there won't be a standoff at Mar-a-Lago with Secret Service and the Manhattan DA's office. Uh, this is per Joe Tacopina, uh, who is uh, Trump's attorney, uh, if he is criminally indicted. Um, the district attorney there, Alvin Bragg, is believed to be nearing a a charging decision. Now, whether that decision will be not to charge or not, we don't know. Uh, but regarding whether or not this money paid was an illegal campaign contribution. Now, several legal authorities have said, look, you, you have sir, you have every right. Dur- Alan Dershowitz, I heard him on a podcast the other day saying you have every right to pay hush money to someone. It happens all the time just because you don't want the publicity from it. But in the midst of a campaign, could that be called a campaign expenditure that was not reported? Uh, if, in fact, it was due to they were trying to connect a couple of things here, you know, repu- to trying to protect reputational damage, which is OK, and make that actually a campaign event. And then that gets into some federal election uh, commission kind of violations and federal election laws. Uh, of course, his fixer, the attorney, Michael Cohen, had testified on Monday before a grand jury, uh, and he said that. Um, you know, they were adding, they were asking him about, you know, the whole thing. Trump has denied the sexual encounter with Daniels, and uh, he's recently described it as an extortion plot in relation to the hush payment. Of course, Michael Cohen has said others, but um, they're considering this Alvin Bragg is considering charging Trump with crimes related to how he and his business classified reimbursement checks to Michael Cohen for the hush money and concealed the payment. In other words, there was a middleman and they laundered that payment to uh, Stormy Daniels. Where it all ends up, I don't know, but I'm I'm tired of having to try to apologize for Donald Trump's <laughs> the stuff he gets himself into because he's always pushing the edge. Uh, and, and you know, I, I want to hear from you. Do you think that it's Again, looking at the national election, looking at the general election, looking at the middle of this country, who are the ones who will determine the 24 outcome. It won't be those on the left. It won't be those of us and probably, you know, 99 percent of you listening to this station. Um, I hope that those of you on the left listening would listen more and would call in and let me know what you think. But. Most of us would even vote for a Trump if he's uh, nominated, probably because the alternative, any alternative is worse than a Donald Trump with all of his baggage and his rhetoric and calling out other people in the party. He's now demonizing Ron DeSantis and talking up Rick Scott and even Charlie Crist in Florida. It's like, what are you thinking, Don? Why are you doing this, dude? Talk about the great policies that led to the great economy for all of those people, especially who the Democrats claim to want to help and aren't doing such a good job of with their hyperinflation, <clears throat> their borders that are killing our kids and our adults in alarming rates with the fentanyl coming across the borders, domestic, I mean, uh, foreign terrorists coming across the border one after another. It's, it's crazy. So he's got enough of a record during his administration to talk about. He doesn't need to worry about Ron DeSantis. He can talk about his own, but he can't help going after people. 
I just wish he could squell it because I think he'd be a much more effective candidate. Frankly, would have been a much more effective and probably a a less um, a less visible target uh, uh, had he not uh, been of that demeanor. But they said that if he, he will surrender to authorities if he's indicted, says his lawyer, that would be a that would be a visual, wouldn't it? We have a caller. Let's take a caller real quick. How you doing, caller? Welcome to the Randy Tobler Show. Well, I reckon you could call me caller. It's old Rick. Hey, it's old Rick. I didn't have my call screener up here. It's old Rick. How you doing? I haven't talked to you in a while, buddy. <laughs> well, I just seeing that, seeing the snow and stuff, and uh, kind of enjoying it a little. Just not enough snow to really enjoy, but that's the way it goes. And uh, yeah. there's a few things. There was something you was talking about earlier, which a good lady and her mister are working on. Up there at Jeff City Monday, they're supposed to have a vote on it, a bill to protect children from sexual perversion, that sort of stuff. Uh, and they're having a rally up there. I don't know all the details. That that lady, she would be best. I'll see her Sunday mean, morning and her Rick, mister probably at church. They ain't from right around Rick, here. They got mean, a pretty uh, good drive. Well, Rick, are you talking about the bill that got hung up with the filibuster in the Senate? The filibuster closed down the session a little bit earlier before spring break. That bill that I believe Bill Eigel sponsored yep. and uh, there's others um, sure. that uh, to basically to protect against no surgery or, you know, any of these radical therapies yep. on the children under than 18. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. The sex exactly. Change? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And that also. Uh, go ahead. I'll save mine for when you're finished. Well, I just say we need to protect our children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to start with. Uh, but anyway, I've got an exclusive deal for you, if you might be interested, because I don't think there's any other radio station in the state that do this. But uh, what it is that I think some of your listeners might like to be interested in is to hear straight from the folks on the ground in maybe some of the war zones that we'd have to do something like a conference call deal to get it to work and then be free to ask them questions and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. like Mahaji buds uh, too. Mm -hmm. So I thought that'd be interesting because which, yeah, which, which war zones? Well, mainly Afghanistan. I uh, don't have a good uh, connection in, uh, oh, like uh, Kiev and that in uh, Ukraine. Be a little trickier, of course, eh, considering the situations, but not impossible. Uh, yeah, I'd have to have to would try you, to get would in you touch be with. Talking, so, yeah, let's do that. Well, let's have Leah. Are you talking about Afghanistan, Afghanis, uh, civilians yep. there? Oh, yeah, that's right. Local great. folks. Well, I'll tell you yep. what, we're gonna we're gonna head to a break. So let's go ahead and uh, uh, let's go ahead and uh, put you on hold, and Leah can get that information. Maybe we can get that set up for next week. I'd love to do that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Give yeah, that th- a shot. Thank you, Rick. Yeah. Sure. After the thanks very much. We'll head to break now because after that uh, after that disastrous withdrawal that really has shown. How feckless this president is. Uh, we certainly yeah. uh, would like to find out how the conditions are there in Afghanistan now that the Taliban is uh, is in power. Thanks much for the call. Have a great rest great. of your weekend. But hang on and yeah. Leo will get uh, some information from you. All right. We'll oh. come back. It's Virginia Cruda. 
She joins us, uh, of course, uh, every week at this time. So uh, we'll talk with her uh, about the various goings on in this uh, crazy, crazy world of ours. These these United States of America, well, how are we going to reel it back? I want to talk with her about uh, 1.5, uh, 66 million Americans looking out to separate. They're with Marjorie Taylor Greene. We'll talk about it. That coming up on The Tolbert Show. Welcome back to the program. I don't know. You think we'll be able to get a connection with Afghanistan, Leah? Uh, we'll see. I got the information from Rick, so we'll see. We know Rick did some uh, civilian work overseas during uh, the whole conflict there in Afghanistan. Um, so hopefully, I'd, I'd love to talk with, uh, if we could talk with some of the people that were left behind. Um, boy, that sounds like an old uh, tribulation series, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> left behind. Um I, I think of those images uh, of, of the withdrawal there. <clears throat> and I remember back to when we left Vietnam and uh, the eerie similarities with um, civilians hanging off of aircraft. In the one case, it was helicopters in Vietnam. And in this case, the uh, the cargo ship that was, uh, you know, the cargo planes leaving uh, the Kabul airport there. It was really very, very troubling to watch. Uh, well, it turns out Virginia can't join us this week. I guess we're having some kind of uh, technical problems and she's unable to join us. So that's all right. You and I can chat 314-912-1019. We don't often have as much time to talk. Um, wondering about your thoughts. I'd really like to get your thoughts about the bank crisis and will there be contagion? It certainly has roiled the markets. If you've looked at your 401k or your regular investment account, holy cow, it's just taken a beating um, down, I think yesterday, down almost another 400 points. And, um, you know, it's not good for, for folks that are maybe nearing or in retirement and depend on either dividends or on maybe appreciated stock values. Uh, difficult to to try to navigate these waters. Um with a no, with a mobile society and uh, people who are maybe being forced to buy homes uh, or rent. I mean, certainly uh, home prices, despite higher mortgage rates, have really not fallen much below their peak in late last year or, well, mid last year. Uh, and if you rent, it's terrible. Uh, times are really tough. And now if your investment portfolio loses value, it's it's even tougher. And then if, they, if you feel that there's a threat to your banking situation that's not good um we'd all we've always thought that you know boy you, you put it in the bank behind the big vault with the you know captain's wheel <laughs> a bank vault uh you know lock that's everything's cool well they don't these things aren't backed by gold and silver and anything anymore it's all it's all paper and i guess i've had at least one major concern that well two major concerns after all this what is the risk and I don't know how much of a tinfoil hat you need to have to to have these thoughts flow through, flow through your mind. What's the risk that with these bank closures at regional banks <clears throat> and perception being reality and whether the perception is justified or not, perception that, hey, wow, I've got deposits. I'm a I'm a smaller, medium sized business person and I. Yeah, I got I got a million dollars sitting in the bank and, you know, because I got to make some payments. I'm, you know, my my payrolls, 500, 600,000, you know, every payroll, whatever. Um, I, 
you got to wonder what if people start if people start pushing this money to larger banks and if we end up with just a few large banks kevin o'leary o'leary on uh, the shark you know the shark tank guy he was on several outlets he said it with tucker carlson the other night i saw him on a fox business uh, uh spot he said we don't need smaller banks anymore i'm like what really i for one have uh been able to secure home loans or, you know, when we bought our farm, I went to a local bank and we got a loan through the bank. The guys came out, the the, the senior bankers, president of the bank, and I guess the, the, the officer financial came out and they looked at the property. They walked around. They, you know, they, I'm talking about the lair when I say the farm. Um, and they look around and they, you know, they kick the tires. Well, we had one tractor and they kicked its tires. <laughs> and 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 I don't think Bank of America, I don't think Wells Fargo, God love them. I mean, it's great. I'm glad there's the Bank of America's and the Wells Fargo. These are the banks that are too big to fail. Uh that's what came out of the out of the uh, you know, the 2008-2009 crisis. But and so I guess as a backstop, if you want to think of it as a Lloyds of London kind of a arrangement, okay, that's fine, but do we can't we have both? Because I've tried to get a small loan, even recently, I was, you know, we had a discussion with uh, one of the big four uh, about uh, about getting a small loan for, for practice startup. And no, oh, they couldn't do They have rules. Unless you follow this rule and this rule and you do this and you do that, uh, you, you know, can't get a loan. I don't think that'd be the same with smaller banks that know you. And so I'm worried about consolidation. I'm worried about that when it comes to big box stores, killing mom and pop businesses. I'm worried about it now in the banking industry. Look, when you have centralization, there's advantages to size and scale. I get it. But on the other hand, there's disadvantages because when you lose those personal relationships, you may have them with your representative of a Bank of America or with a Wells Fargo or with a, uh, uh, what are the other ones? Citibank, there's another one. Oh, uh, J.P. Morgan. I think Citicorp is the other one. But basically four big ones. Yeah, the local folks are great. In fact, I, I have a, a, a financial relationship with one of them. It's great. But they have the rules they have to follow when it comes to some decisions that are made at higher levels and you can't they can't override those. Um, so it's it's a balancing act. But I'm just really uh, in in all in all matters, with the exception of national defense including securing our borders. Are you listening, Joe Biden and uh, Alejandro Mayorkas? Um, a stable money supply. I didn't say a pumped up money supply for political aspirations. A stable money supply. And a justice system that's fair. Uh, I don't know that we really need, uh, there's a few other things. I guess you could talk about infrastructure when it comes to air travel and uh, you know, transportation matters. I get it. We don't need an education department. We don't need an HHS department. We don't need a health and human services department. We don't need it. It's not in the Constitution. Department of Education is in the Constitution. And look at all the havoc they wreak. Look at all the dollars that are wasted in people complying with their various stupid pet trick regulations. I know. I've dealt with those. You deal with those, no matter what your business is. Whether you're an employee, an employer, it doesn't matter. 
And now in the banking industry, you know, we're seeing, you know, more federal shenanigans. They caused the problem with poor management of the money supply. Then when it gets out of control and they have to invoke the most ambitious rate increase program that I can remember, maybe in history, but certainly in decades and decades and decades. And then the fallout from that is banks get squeezed and poorly managed banks get squeezed, but that's okay. If you're on the West Coast and you donate to Joe Biden and you give and you invest in a lot of ESG and DEI and all these other nonsense, climate change, <clears throat> well, we're going to protect you. We're going to bail you out. No problem. Got you covered. But if you're in the heartland, if you're in MAGA country, if you're in, if you wear a hat with MAGA on it, oh, God forbid. If your bank gets into a little trouble, forget about it. Hope you don't, hope you only are invested up to 250000 It just stinks. It's corrupt. And we voted for it. I can't believe that people vote to give away the security of their own decisions and the assurance of their own relationship with individuals with whom they can have a personal relationship and understand where they're coming from, look at them sitting across the desk, the actual decision makers at your local regional bank. Because of advertisements on the Super Bowl and whatever else we, you know, I mean, look, and again, it's not to, I, I think we need to have the big banks. We do. I love it when I go overseas and I can use my Bank of America. I get some, there's some nice Bank of America things that you, you want to have those things. But there's times when you want to have that personal relationship with your banker. And should that go away because of consolidation in the bank industry, I'm not sure it's good. I'm just not sure it's good for us as a country, certainly not for everyday Americans. Um, 314-912-1019 if you want to join in on uh, on your comments on this because um, it's uh, we're on the precipice of either either having to go towards a more and more socialized system where the engine of government um, becomes private business run by the government, supposedly for the benefit of the passengers on that train. But who controls the engine? The government, not the private industry in the market. And this is not for laissez-faire capitalism either, by the way. This is for this is for right size regulation. And it's for vigorous and severe punishment for people that like those people in uh, Silicon Valley Bank that mismanage their investment portfolio terribly and they put their depositors uh, um, deposits at, at risk and uh, for that matter maybe small smaller investors in the bank who had no knowledge of what was going on in the C-suite so with that diatribe I guess we'll wrap it up for this uh, for this segment and uh, again, I want you to remind you, if you weren't at the America event last uh, last week on Tuesday, please make sure and log on to NewstalkSTL.com. Uh, it's there on the website there or on the Facebook page. I'm Randy Tober along with Leah on 1019-941 Newstalk STL, The Tobler Show. We'll be back with Daniel Haller talking about some medical things in the healthcare industry in a bit. For the